So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 18. Now because we haven't met in a couple of weeks, I wanted to review. In fact, let's just start over. Uh, no. But let me just review quickly. All right. Uh, my wife, give me a look. You better be quick. Uh, no, no, it will be. Um, but it's going to set up tonight's study which is a little different, special, okay? Um, so in, just by way of quick, quick review, in chapters 17 and 18, we are brought face-to-face with two Babylons. The Babylon of chapter 17 is a religious-slash-ecclesiastical Babylon, and the Babylon of chapter 18 is a commercial-slash-political entity called Babylon. As we have said before, from its inception... Babylon has been both a city and a false religious system that grew out of that city. Think of the Tower of Babel. Babel became Babylon, the mother of all harlots, the place where all false religions got their start. Now, guys, many commentators believe that these two Babylons, represented in chapters 17 and 18, uh, are one and the same. I don't agree with that. Um... I don't believe the commercial Babylon spoken of in chapter 18 is going to occupy the same city that the religious Babylon represented or presented in chapter 17 is going to occupy. I think they're two different cities. All right. Uh, the Babylon of Revelation 18 will be a commercial cap- will be the commercial capital of the world during the reign of the Antichrist. Many believe it will literally be the ancient city of Babylon rebuilt in modern Iraq. Others believe it will only be called Babylon in a metaphorical sense, but could actually be a reference to, I don't know, New York, London, Brussels, or some other world-class commercial city. Whatever the city and wherever it stands, it will be, listen, the capital of the Antichrist political power as well as the center of capitalism and commerce during the tribulation period. Let's read verses 1 to 3 again. Revelation 18, starting with verse 1, where John said, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated, illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury." Now, we looked at this last time, but let me just, again, review quickly. The word for merchants there in verse 3 does not mean those who produce or manufacture goods. The word literally means those who travel. And is a reference to, I guess you'd call them the uber-rich, who are brokers and who travel the world and deal in volume. This wouldn't be a local merchant in the sense of what we would think of a local merchant, right? No, this is talking about something on a much larger scale. 
Um, these people who travel the world uh, making huge money, profits, off of uh, their businesses. In other words, large corporations who have a global footprint and make lots of money engaging in business for big profit. Uh, this is God's judgment, guys. On chapter 18, we're going to see God's judgment on big business and corrupt global capitalism. Now, listen, I've said this before. Let me say it again. I, am nothing, I have nothing against big corporations or capitalism. But when big corporations partner with big governments, and listen, the kings of verse 3 represent governments. So there's a partnership with, you know, um, big business and big government. But when you, when big corporations partner with big governments, uh, the result is big, big corruption. Big corruption. And uh, this would include American corporations that partner with communist China, as we said last time, which uses slave labor to produce the goods of um, big corporations at a fraction of what they would uh, have to pay American workers to produce them. So, the, you know, iPhone is made in China, not to slam iPhones only, but they're one product made in China at a fraction of the cost it would cost to make them in America paying American workers a livable wage, right? But of course, those phones are sold in America for just as much, so they make tons of money on these products. And again, not just to pick on Apple. There's many other companies that uh, are partnering with China. The very thing God is condemning. And again, as we said last time, China oppresses its people. You have the, the Uyghur Muslims who are persecuted who are put in slave labor camps to produce some of these products. And American corporations who have no problem lecturing uh, people in the United States, like Christian companies or uh, the governor of Florida, for wanting to stand up for morality among, among children, not teaching them uh, third grade and under about sexual themes. These big corporations can lecture those in America who want to keep make things... Um, upright and righteous but they turn a blind eye to all the money to china because they make a lot of money through china and so they don't ever slam the chinese government so again i believe that what's in view here in chapter 18 is the is the unholy alliance of government and big business leading to corrupt capitalism nothing wrong with capitalism but this is corrupt capitalism and human atrocities for the sake of profit. And again, God is going to judge these elites. These are the uber-rich who run global corporations who, listen, think that they're gods. Hold on to that. Many of these CEOs of these global corporations think that they're gods, in a sense who have authority over the lives of people that treat them as slaves. To be taken advantage of, especially the poor who can't stand up against them. Now, we talked about that last time, so I won't go into it. But let me just say this, because we're just setting uh, all of this, presenting it to set up tonight's study. I believe that the final global one-world government and its economy will be, listen, communistic towards the poor and exceedingly materialistic towards the rich. In other words, it's going to contain only two classes. 
the rich and the poor, the middle class will be gone. And there are people that have been working for a long time trying to get rid of the middle class. Why is that? Because the uber rich don't like the middle class. They got a little too big for their britches driving their gas guzzling uh, four by fours and going on their vacations, right? I mean, who do they think they are? Only we have the right, the rich, to spend money like that and so on. And so they want a, a two-class system, the rich and the poor. And I believe that's going to be the system of the Antichrist. Remember it said earlier in the book of Revelation that there's coming a famine uh, upon the world? And um, it's gonna, it, you're gonna work. People are gonna work all day for enough money to buy a loaf of bread, just enough to feed themselves. But don't touch the oil and the wine, right? That's a reference to the rich are gonna always have their money. They're gonna always have plenty of food and so on. They're gonna still party with the wine and everything else. It's only the poor who are gonna suffer. Middle class is gone. Now the question is, and this is really where we want to pick it up tonight in a little bit of a special study which I promised you guys. The question is, how will the Antichrist enact his one-world global government that will totally restructure the world's national economies into, listen, one central economy around, built around one central bank controlling all buying and selling with a mark, as Revelation 13, verses 16 to 18 predicts. How are they going to do that? How is the Antichrist going to enact this one world global system? I believe the answer will be at least in part the Great Reset. The Great Reset. Just last week, May 23rd to the 26th, the world's quote unquote movers and shakers, they really think they're special. But the world's movers and shakers, the super rich met in Davos, Switzerland, for the annual World Economic Forum, or the WEF. In this meeting, and I've checked it out online, but in this meeting, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, Professor Klaus Schwab, said that, quoting him, Davos 2022 is ready to save the world, end quote. Now you tell me they don't have a God complex. But to quote the immortal words of John McLean, you're a little late to the party, pal. Somebody has already saved the world. His name is Jesus Christ. If you're smart enough to receive him as your savior, he's going to bring in a new world order. But the WEF is made up of leaders of the free world, corporate leaders of the biggest companies in the world, along with many of the world's Super rich guys like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, just to name a few, they all have God complexes, all of them. And that they think that they and they alone can save the planet by restructuring humanity. Tell me they don't think they're gods. They and they alone have the wisdom to restructure the planet, right? Bring utopia to the earth. That's something they, they think they are, only they are gifted enough to do that, right? Restructuring humanity and the world economy so that they can bring their utopian vision to the earth, make it a reality. Um, you don't have to turn there, but we remember the words of Paul. 
how that when the Antichrist comes into power, initially it's going to seem like he is the answer to all the world's problems. He's going to usher in a time of peace and prosperity in the world. In fact, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, I'll just read verses 1 to 3 out of the NLT 2nd edition. Now concerning how and when all of this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. For, you. for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying, oh, everything is peaceful and secure. Ah, our utopia is here. Our Messiah is with us. Then disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Yes, it's called the Great Tribulation. When the world, when the devil through the Antichrist and his government has lulled the world into a sense of false security. This is utopia. This is what we've always dreamed of. Uh, our Messiah, you know, the three, three major religions of the world uh, believe that a Messiah is coming. The Jews, uh, the Muslims, and uh, the Christians believe a Messiah is coming. Now, only ours is the true Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came once already and is coming again, we know. But many people are looking, if you're in the new age, you're looking for the reincarnation of the Christ spirit, Maitreya Buddha. The age of Aquarius. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is their, they're singing about a new age coming for mankind. Jesus Christ was the um, reincarnation of the Christ spirit for the present age, the Piscean age. But there's coming a new Messiah, the latest reincarnation of the Christ spirit, Maitreya Buddha, who will usher in a brand new age, the age of Aquarius. A lot of people are looking. They've been singing about it for a long time. I was in the 60s, that song was popular. So many people are looking, and now we have some very wealthy, very well-connected global elites that are working to bring this whole utopian vision into reality. You say, well, how? The question is, how, how do they plan to do this? Well, listen, they're already doing it through what, listen, they call the Great Reset. This is not a conspiracy theory. They're talking about it openly, they're calling it the Great Reset. Christian author and speaker Charlie Kirk, brilliant young guy, said, and I quote, how do we reset something if it's not broken? First, you have to break it. So before you can bring in a reset, you have to smash it into a million pieces. And we have just lived the past two years of them smashing our civilization into a million pieces. Lock everything down, put masks on kids, don't allow them to develop linguistic skills, Vaccine mandates, destroy small businesses, erode the currency, create 80% of all dollar bills in circulation in the last two years, and then all of these other seemingly out-of-reach goals all of a sudden come right into view, or in other words, become attainable. Who are these people? Who are these people? Well, they are the globalists. The globalists. People that don't believe in sovereign nations and borders. Listen. Primarily because controlling the whole planet through one global government is a lot easier than trying to control a world of independent nations. 
I mean, of course, they package it and present it like they, they you know, we need to be a, a global community, you know, one big family. But really what they want is they want easier, uh, the easier ability to control the whole planet, which is a lot easier if you have one centralized global government than it is to try to control a world full of independent uh, nations and so on. It's always, folks, always about them getting more power and getting richer. It's never about ecology and saving the planet and helping the poor. If you buy into that, you're fooling yourself. It's always about their power and them getting richer. Everything they do. And that's why they want to unite the world into a single global entity. Again, a one-world government where a handful of elites will control everything from what you buy to where you go to what you are allowed to watch, to listen to, and to say. Total control. In other words, these people see themselves as gods. And folks, I really believe they think they're gods because they don't believe in the God of the Bible. They don't believe in the God of the Bible. And the Bible says that Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but killed God, got rid of God, and began to worship the creation, and they themselves are the ultimate part of the creation that they worship. They're humanists, um, but they worship themselves, especially these elites, right? And because they believe they are gods, they believe that they have the right, the brilliance, and the moral virtue to bring about through whatever means necessary, whether it's through social engineering, coercion, or brute force, they and they alone have the ability to bring about a world made in their own image, a world that they, you know, a world uh, the way they think it should be, a world where they are in charge. If you've ever read anything by some of these elites, and I'm talking about the super rich and um, other people that are the, you know, elites of the world. Have you noticed how much they praise China? Why do they praise China? They, they admire the Chinese form of government. Democracy is too, too cumbersome. Plus, you can't depend on stupid people to vote in the right people anyways. Only we have the wisdom and the brilliance to put the right people in charge because you're too dumb, you and me, we're too dumb to most of us put in power Donald Trump. If you're a Christian, probably voted for him. Oh, that really infuriated them. That was the final straw. That was the proof that they needed to take over everything. Because we're just too stupid. You know, left to ourselves, we put the worst people in power. See, they, they need to take control of everything. Because they're going to put the right people in power, Right? But, but they've always admired the Chinese. I, I, figured, I think it was Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, who said, um, you know, in China, they get things done really quick. They don't have to worry about elections and the political process. No, they just lock people in their houses when COVID hit, uh, uh, weld them in to their apartments and let them die, starve to death. And you're praising this regime? Their vision is a world without borders, 
a world where planet Earth will be worshipped with a green agenda. Of course, understand this. They will still drive their gas-guzzling cars, live in their high-energy uh, usage mansions, jet from place to place around the world on their private jets. It's only the little people that don't deserve to have these luxuries. Remember John Kerry when he was asked at one uh, climate summit, he's the climate czar? Well, a reporter asked him, he said, you know, how did you get here? Oh, a private jet. Well, you're the climate czar. I mean, what are you doing flying a private jet to a climate meeting? Isn't that kind of a large carbon footprint? You know what he said? Based, I'll paraphrase. Well, I'm actually too important to take a regular flight. I mean, my time is so important. I need to get places quickly. So that's why I fly a jet. I, I'm important enough to fly. You, you're not important enough to fly a jet, you know? You can't drive uh, a, a, an SUV or a, a, a pickup truck. You gotta buy electric cars. They were just at the Davos meeting and somebody said, how many people here own electric cars? Like five hands went up. Well, about 5% of the people. These are the ones pushing electric cars on the rest of us. Good for the, for the environment. Yeah, when we drive them. Although they're worth, you know, 80 grand or something. And I'm a little leery about any vehicle I gotta plug in. You know? I'm sure you understand this, right? In their world, these elites that want to take over everything, in their world, human beings are basically, listen, irrelevant and expendable. Simply cogs, cogs in the global machinery to help bring about their desired end. In the eyes of these global elites, human beings are nothing more than human tools to be used and discarded when they outlive their usefulness to the planetary collective. You also need to understand that many of these elites believe that the population of the world should not exceed 500 million or else the earth will die. So they are proponents of global depopulation as a means of saving the planet. I don't know if you realize that, but depop world depopulation and environmentalism go hand in hand. Because many of these folks are totally convinced you cannot have all these people on planet Earth. You're gonna, you, we're killing the planet. So we need to depopulate the Earth. That's what they say. And I think it was Ted Turner uh, who was caught on, on camera saying, through whatever means necessary. That's a chilling statement. Folks, these people and their followers are nothing more than a global demonic death cult whose dream of global, global depopulation is already underway. It's already underway. It has been for a long time, by the way. Think abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, war, famine, and disease. Diseases that are, are intentionally thrust onto mankind like COVID, I believe, was. Some call it the global pandemic. Now, I'm not one to be a conspiracy guy. Um, but I just feel like 
we are getting so close to Jesus' return, which is going to be preceded by the coming of the Antichrist and his global government, uh, that things are in play right now that are moving us towards their goal, which is a world run by them, a world that will run the way they think the world should run. And part of that means to get rid of a lot of people. A lot of people. Why are they pushing wars all the time? Yeah, because you got big contractors like Raytheon and other uh, co contractors that produce weapons of war and, and so on. And they make a lot of money and they're connected to these politicians. But that is not the only reason. They're pushing war and, uh, upon the human race all the time because I believe they want to depopulate the earth. One way they're doing it. I mean, what craziness are we living through with Ukraine? This is the most thing. After Russia invaded, and there were things that we could have done to help that not happen, but we didn't for some strange reason. He wanted a few concessions. No, Ukraine not admitted to NATO. Few other little things. I don't think it was unreasonable. But no, our president stood firm. So they come in, they attack Ukraine. Why did we move to immediately, if you want to save lives, right? You, you want to save lives. Why didn't our government immediately push for a diplomatic solution to end the fighting? If you want to, if lives are the, are the issue, saving lives, you want to end an armed conflict as soon as possible, right? Not prolong it and escalate it and keep feeding weapons into the, into the battle. And now we're at a proxy war with Russia. Not to get off on this, because I wasn't planning on it, but the latest school massacre in, in Uvalde, Texas. A lot of our leaders believe we've got to do something. And I'm not against any, I, I'm not against any, um, uh, you know, common sense laws that would help maybe curtail some of this violence with regard to guns. And, and I'm a Second Amendment advocate. When have you lately seen Democrats or Republicans come together to work on anything? Well, they did a few days ago to work on a bill that would, uh, would um, help to bring down the number of mass murders, right? Chuck Schumer wouldn't even bring it to the floor for a vote in the Senate. They asked the uh, president's spokeswoman, the new gal, Jean-Pierre, Karine Jean-Pierre, about this. And she said, well, hardening school targets is not really on his, high in his list, his agenda. You're screaming about kids being killed on the one, but then you won't lift a finger to harden schools and make them a hard target so that these kind of things don't happen? What, what is going on here? What is going on? Why do some of our politicians not used to be, with regard to abortion, safe, legal, and rare? That was the mantra, right, in the 90s. Now, it's a virtue to kill kids. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, there's a demonic component, no doubt about it. I'm trying to see things through the eyes of our leaders and where they're coming from. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. I believe you have a lot of people who are working and, and, and run with it if you want. I'm just trying to put it out there. I believe that we have people in this world, uh, elites, well-connected politicians, global leaders, that are active, actively working to depopulate the planet. Now look, biblically speaking, their system, the Antichrist global government, well, it could be put in place before he actually ar arises to power. And biblically speaking, their system will eventually be handed over to a final world leader who will take over what they have begun and bring it to fruition when he appears on the world scene. Remember, as we've been studying the book of Revelation, the final world empire will be a confederation of ten nations or ten global regions uh, led by ten kings. These at one point will, will turn control of this final world empire over to a leader we know as the Antichrist. And we've been studying this. And Revelation 13 tells us that this man, this leader, will organize a, listen, reboot or a reset, if you will, of the world's economies, putting the world under a system where no one will be able to buy or sell without a number on their forehead or right hand, a system that could, listen, very well be brought about in part by the Great Reset. Although it could be that the Great Reset will precede the Antichrist rise to power. These ten kings could get things rolling and then, you know, having already enacted the Great Reset, and then the Antichrist might rise, the, might even lay the groundwork for his coming to power. So the Great Reset might precede the coming of the Antichrist, but it could be used by him when he gets into power to get his world government moving. Look, I'm not saying that the Great Reset will be the only factor that will usher in the final world empire under the Antichrist. There might very well be other de uh, determining factors like nuclear war, a total collapse of the global banking system, or some other global catastrophe or catastrophes that will lead to the Great Reset or be concurrent with it. But make no mistake about it, the Great Global Reset will, be, uh, will give rise to the mark of the beast where no one will be able to buy or sell except with a mark or with this mark on their forehead or right hand. Guys, this will be a system that will be used by the Antichrist to control the people of the world by controlling the world's currency, which will no doubt be a digital currency. Listen, when the Antichrist comes on the world scene and brings the world together in a global government, he at that time will also create a central global economic system which will be linked to the mark of the beast. No doubt about it. The Antichrist global economy, listen, will not be controlled by banks. It will be controlled by his government. His government. This will be a system much like the one Communist China has incorporated. And one that our leaders are working on right now to enact in our country. A centralized governmental 
a centralized governmental financial system where the government will not only not only tracks uh, our every purchase but also controls the flow of all money and how it is spent this system will not be based on the digital currency and electronic banking that we are all used to right now people think that the new system that the antichrist is going to enact will be just like you know the electronic banking uh, is now you know no big deal that's wrong they think it's going to be a, a system where you got a debit or an ATM card linked to your bank account that is not true the antichrist system will be much like the one China has enacted or our government is in the process of enacting in our country um, a system based uh, a system uh, where our government through the Federal Reserve is actively working to create uh, a system right now based on something called Fed coins. Fed coin, digital currency. This will be a system that I believe will eventually be absorbed into the one world government of the Antichrist along with all the other nations that have enacted these similar systems. I mean, you're conditioning the, the countries of the world right now. I mean, if, if individual countries are enacting this kind of a system right now, well, when the Antichrist comes, no big deal. People are already used to it. And, and, and they're going to see it as the next step in the evolutionary economic process. Instead of individual countries having this system, now the whole world has it. System based on, in our country, and based on something called Fed coins. I can just hear the feds enthusiastically promoting this system to its citizens, to all Americans. I can just hear it. Just download the app onto your phone. And the federal government will deposit the Fed coins into your account. How convenient. Forget that wallet. Forget those credit cards. It's all on your phone now. This means that not only will the federal government be able to track, listen, what you buy and where or from whom you bought it and how much you spent on it, they'll have the power to authorize or reject each of your purchases as well. No more gun sales. It's not authorized. No more supporting financially the uh, campaigns of people they don't like, that don't, you know, no more Donald Trump um, support, right? Guys, this is going to be a system where the government issues every person a number, and without that number, you're not going to be able to buy or sell anything without their approval, which of course sounds familiar, right? We studied it in chapter 13 but every transaction that you make when this system is enacted if we're still here again this might come to fruition when the antichrist rises to power but they're already working right china's already got it they're already working on it right now in our country because our government wants to control whoever controls the money controls everything they're not stupid they know that and so if this is enacted in our country before the rapture happens, every transaction you make will go through the Federal Reserve, which if it approves the transaction, will pay the store or the restaurant or whatever seller, private, uh, retail, or commercial, will pay that seller, pay the purchase price of that merchandise in Fed coins. 
This means every purchase you make will be recorded on the Federal Reserve's ledger for your account. When this system is finally enacted, guys, cash will be done away with. It will be worthless and obsolete. I believe that using or even owning gold will be illegal. Government will probably confiscate the gold, even as FDR did uh, back in April of 1933. Under this new financial system, the federal government... Now, this, we're just talking about America right now, but I'm, the bigger picture is when the Antichrist comes to power, all these things that we see on a smaller scale in individual nations, it's going to be done on a global scale. All right? Under this new financial system, the federal government would also be in control of, listen, all borrowing and lending. So they're going to be in total control of all credit, and who gets that credit? This will be based on your social score, again, if you're still here. All based on your social score, the system that China uses to punish and, re and reward those who support the Chinese government or who are dissidents against it. So depending on a person's politics, and that's what it's going to be based on, depending on a person's politics, the government would assign them a social score. We'll just say that 10 is the highest you could get. Based on your social score, which again is simply your politics, whatever those may be, the government likes your politics, and they're in line with the government leaders at that time, you're going to get a higher social score. And if your politics are the wrong politics, you'll get a lower social score, which means that you know those that have a higher social score are first in line for credit to get a house loan, a car loan, a business loan, or a student loan, etc., In this system, the government will reward and punish people based on their politics. This has never happened in the history of America. It's so heinous. To even say it out loud causes us to cringe. To have a government that is going to reward people based on their political views and the candidates they support, The government's going to reward and punish people based on their politics. And whether or not, um, and if they were in line with the government's goals, then, of course, they get a higher social score. And uh, first in line for loans and things. Uh, I would imagine that Trump supporters would be at the bottom of the list with this current administration. But again, this will be a system where political allies are rewarded and, and enemies are punished. Now, this is the same system I believe the Antichrist is going to enact or take over if it's already in place when he arises to power. But when he comes to power, he might actually put it into place. But I think this is going to be the same system the Antichrist will enact when he rises to power. And I believe this will be uh, all be tied to the Great Reset, which it's a little hard to define what the Great Reset really is. But the way I view it from what I've read it's global. It's a global communist takeover, basically. Often wrapped in socialist terms, socialism, 
but socialism is just the 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 uh, step step right before communism. You trick people into thinking socialism is the way to go, but that leads them to communism. It's always about their power, always. I believe this is going to be all tied to the Great Reset, the Antichrist global government, which I believe the Antichrist could very well launch, um, which I believe the Antichrist could very well enact to launch his new global government when he shows up. And I believe he's around right now. I don't believe we're waiting for him to be born. I think he's ready to take over. He's waiting in the wings. We're that close, I believe. But uh, in an art, and, and by the way, one other thing, and we'll move on. Um, do you realize that the Pope is actively working hand in hand with other world leaders to bring about a great reset in the church as well as in the governments of the world? I uh, saw a few articles. I thought I'd just quote one of them on this subject uh, in an article that appeared in the Washington Times recently entitled Pope Francis Hops Aboard Chilling Globalist Great Reset World, World Economic Forum Wagon. Long title. Part of the article goes, and I'm quoting, Pope Francis, in remarks in the Apostolic Palace. I thought that was something. The Apostolic Palace. Apostles of the one who had nowhere to lay his head. The apostles who were beaten and um, tortured and killed for their faith in Christ. The Pope's got an apostolic palace, though. Pope Francis, in remarks in the Apostolic Palace, said the coronavirus has provided the perfect opportunity for economics of the world to reimagine markets and push businesses to put social justice rather than profits at the core of their pursuits. In layman's terms, he's calling for an end to capitalism and a worldwide implementation of socialism, which again is very close to communism. He's just picked up the World Economic Forum Socialist Collectivist Great Reset Playbook and moved it a little bit more down the road, end quote. Well, Pastor Jack Hibbs, many of you listen to Jack. He's a Calvary pastor out in California. He said, and him and Charlie were on a panel together talking about this, but Jack, Pastor Jack Hibbs said, and I'm quoting him, the last two years have been the great setup to condition the people of the world for the great reset, end quote. Again, Christian author and speaker Charlie Kirk said, and I quote, The elites at Davos, those who are working to bring about the new world order, have eight goals, eight goals they want to enact by 2030. And they have said that COVID will be the means that will help get this done. That's true, but I was reading Glenn Beck's book uh, on the Great Reset, and here's what he said. He said that um, COVID helped the elites to see uh, what they are planning is, is more possible than they had even hoped. But that climate change, COVID's done. They're trying to keep it alive. COVID's done. They're not going to be, it's not hardy enough to change the world. But it did show them what is possible. Beck said, um, COVID is not the end, it was not going to do it. 
So what they have latched onto is the tool that will really bring about the Great Reset and this global transformation is climate change. That's why they're all into climate change. It's going to be the real climate change will be the real tool they will use to bring about their goals and so on. Uh, Charlie Kirk said that they, uh, they, they want to have eight goals in place by 2030. They're going to do this great reset and change the world, right? I'll read these to you. Some of them are a little vague to me. He didn't explain them. You can probably go online and he's got a new book too on the great reset. Charlie Kirk does. Uh, if you want to order it and read it, I'm sure he explains these. But these are the eight things that he presented on uh, on the screen when he was uh, on this panel with Pastor Hibbs, uh, Jack Hibbs. Um, eight things they want to enact by 2030. The first one is you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Again, by 2030. What they don't tell you is they'll own more and be much happier. But they deserve it because they're a lot smarter and more virtuous than we are. We're just dummies, okay? Number two, the U.S. won't be the world's superpower. Well, guys, America has been the bone in the throat of globalists for a long time. They hate this idea of American exceptionalism. They hated that Trump was a devoted nationalist who put America first, right? See, they don't want America first. They don't want America great. If they're going to achieve this global government, then America has to be brought down, way down. That's part of it. The U.S. won't be the world's superpower by 2030. Number three, you won't die waiting for an organ donor. That's a little vague. It's a little frightening to think about. You won't die waiting for an organ donor. Now, Without Charlie explaining it, I have to assume what is in view there is if you're a younger person with a lot of years left in you whereby you can benefit the state, you're going to get your organ donor. A guy like me, they're going to let me croak. They don't care about me. I've outlived my usefulness. So I kind of think that's what's involved with that. Okay? Number four, you'll eat less meat. Depending on who you talk to, that might not be a bad thing, right? I've heard these elites talk about how that we should be eating no meat. Wasn't it Bill Gates who developed some artificial synthetic meat? Oh, that sounds great. On a Memorial Day barbecue. Let's all have a nice synthetic burger. Or bugs. They actively, we should be eating bugs. Are they going to eat bugs? No. They're going to have their big T-bones or whatever they eat. Nice big burgers whenever they want. It's just you and I. We don't deserve that because we're killing the planet. You'll eat less meat. Number five. This is interesting. A billion people will be displaced by climate change. What exactly does that mean? You know what I think it means? You know how that in communist countries like China, everyone is herded into cities. Because if you're all living in cities, you don't have to take your cars, you know, an hour away to your job. You're all, it's all, you, you walk places. Um, it's a lot cheaper to, uh, to heat and cool a high rise than it is all these individual homes and things. So when they say that a billion people will be displaced by climate change, 
by 2030, I think what they're saying is they're going to scare people or force people into cities. Remember we talked about, you love the city, I apologize. Remember we talked about how God's going to judge cities. Revelation, we, we learned that. And how cities don't have a, a really good uh, origin in the Bible. See, people are conservative oftentimes until they move into big cities. Then they become liberal. Some about a big city, I don't know. There's a lot of beauty in big cities, don't get me wrong. But there's also a lot of nefarious, dark things going on also. And I think that to control people under the guise of climate change and saving the planet, they're going to herd people into cities, high rises, you know, where they can lock you in like in Shanghai, China. Have you seen those videos where they lock people into their homes and they're out in the they're starving to death. They're out in the balcony screaming, help us, help us, screaming. It was like something out of Hades to listen to. Number six, I, this one, I don't get this one. Maybe you could help me. You could be preparing to go to Mars. So to help the planet, let's get as much people off of the planet as possible. We'll just ship them off to Mars. What happens once you get to Mars, they don't really tell us. <laughs> How about the fine print? I mean, come on, you know. But they want to colonize the moon. Mars, you know, eventually the whole solar system, well, there's no way you can do the whole solar system, but, you know, planets that at least have um, a possibility of being, you know, colonized, all to save planet Earth. Number seven, Western values by 2030 will have been tested to their breaking point. What does that exactly mean? I mean, they're against Western values. You hear it all the time. Now they're coming after us as Christians. I mean, we knew it was coming. Have you been reading? Now they're talking about, um, what was the term? And they're all using it because that's how it works. Somebody comes up with a term and then the memo goes out and all of a sudden all these leftists are using the same language. But uh, something to the effect of um, a Christian white supremacists. They're targeting us. They're getting ready to round us up unless Jesus comes first and evacuates us out of here at the rapture. Now, we're the problem. We're crazy. We're evil. We shouldn't be allowed to vote because we're not in our right mind. Hurt us all into concentration camps, re-education camps, right? That's coming. And number eight, fossil fuels will be obsolete by 2030. Again, I mentioned earlier Glenn Beck's book. Now, Glenn's a Mormon. It doesn't mean he's wrong on everything. He's wrong on his religion. But he's a pretty sharp guy on matters of politics and this subject. He said, this is the most important book I've ever written. So I went out and got it, been reading it. And he does put it in simple terms, what's going on. And it's not as easy to nail down the Great Reset as you think. So he does a good job at trying to explain it, right? But uh, he did say this, and I'm just going to quote one paragraph. He said and I, on the Great Reset, he said, and I quote, The Great Reset is a proposal that is breathtaking in its scope. Its backers support altering nearly every part of society, from the cars we drive to the food we eat to the news reports we watch on television. 
Its core foundation was shaped almost entirely by a small, extremely wealthy and well-connected con group of people, one that includes highly influential business leaders, environmentalists, government officials, and bankers. The goals of the Great Reset are both shockingly and wildly ambitious, uh, and to name a few, he goes on to transform the global economy, eliminate free markets, impose a new, more easily controllable and malleable uh, economic system, and change the way people think about private property and corporations. The reset part of the Great Reset is an illusion, uh, is an illusion to pushing the reset button on the global economy, and boy, do they want to push that sucker hard. Who is behind this radical plan? In early June of 2020, the World Economic Forum, which is a large nonprofit based in Switzerland, held a virtual meeting featuring many of the most powerful people on the face of the planet. The purpose of the meeting was to launch a new campaign for the great reset of the global economy using uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and climate change as uh, justification for their proposed reforms to society. He ends with this, the Great Reset is really not about helping the poor or saving the planet. It's about making the rich richer and expanding the power of the ruling class, goals that many elites have shared across cultures, historical eras, and geographic areas for many years." End quote. And again, one of the major impediments to their globalist takeover is of the planet is estab in establishing the, their new world order is America. America is exceptional. I mean, we are every day losing that exceptional quality. Only two nations on the face of the planet throughout history have been established by God. One is Israel, and I believe the other is America. I believe God raised up America to be a light to the world, even as he did to Israel, right? A light to the Gentiles, he said, of Israel. Our nation was founded on, on God and his word. And when we honored him and obeyed him and brought him, gave him glory with our lives, this nation prospered. But... We have come to a point like Israel came to many centuries ago where we, like them back then, believe that we are the reason for our greatness. God said to Israel, who gave you power to get wealth? Is it not I, the Lord? Why do you put your trust in swords and spears and chariots and in horses? They're just flesh. But you don't come to me when the enemy is knocking at your door and seek your God. But if any country is going to be used by God to bring about a global revival, hopefully, I think it's going to be America. And let's pray for our nation. We are in desperate straits. But again, I believe God is merciful and gracious. And if we will humble ourselves as his people and seek his face and pray and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear our prayer from heaven. This is what he promised. He will forgive our sins and heal our land. That's where we have to go, guys. So we will pick it up next time, God willing, and uh, pick it up where we left off in Revelation 18. Tonight was a little bit of a, um, a special study on the Great Reset, because I do believe it's all going to go hand-in-hand with the Antichrist, one world government. But we'll 
continue on in chapter 18 next week. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great love wherewith you loved us. We thank you, Lord, that we have had the privilege and incredible blessing of growing up in a, in a nation where we have had freedom and prosperity and a Christian heritage. All of that is being removed. America is slowly sinking into oblivion. But we pray, Lord, that you would be merciful to us, that you would raise up, that you would uh, revive your church, set us on fire once again, and Lord, send us out into this world as lights in the darkness, that we might fulfill the great commission as you have commanded your people to go into all the world and preach the good news to every person, that, Lord, you would be merciful to America, that, Lord, you would bring us to a place of brokenness and surrender, where you would be honored once again, that we would truly once again be a nation under God. Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless these studies in your word. We ask all this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.